plays the thing on Scribble. Welcome to Scribble, 30 minutes of conversation, comments, and reviews on reading and writing, editing, publishing, and selling books. I'm Rebecca Wee. And I'm Don Wooten. Christine Hicks is the drama critic you hear on WBIK. Today, you'll hear her on Scribble. Last time you were here... Must be about six years ago, something like that. Uh, we talked to you as a reporter, and uh, all of a sudden you became a drama critic <laughs> in the newspapers and now on radio. Right. Uh, you're building on your early career as an actress, aren't you? Well, I'm too old and fat to do it on stage anymore, <laughs> so no. I, I kind of have to take no. something that I can do. But uh, it's interesting that you turn to drama criticism. You have starred in a number of Genesee Skill productions. And uh, I remember you as an exceptional actress. Oh, no. Uh, the, the talent I'm seeing on stage nowadays, I don't hold a candle to. I, I'm really excited about local theater right now. Boy, they're all over the place, aren't they? They are. There are a few that have not managed to come back after the p- pandemic, oh, yeah. I heard through the grapevine that Prenzy Players is in the process of uh, reforming. Mm-hmm. And I just got an email from Misha Hooker within the last few days. He, and I don't know if he has collaborators, I'm going to find that out. He has just formed a group called the New Athens Players, and they are opening their first show next week at the Village Theater, and uh, it's focusing on um, Susan Glaspell works. Yeah, wait a minute. I should mention that we record these early, and so this will air on the fourth of March. Oh, Oh, okay. So So they're opening on the on February twenty fourth. So so they have already opened. Yep. Okay. Uh, that's one of the problems. When you, we do the program, we do them in bunches. <laughs> play oh, out over I'll be week. learning that on the podcast. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Well, now, how did you happen to, uh, first of all, how did you happen to get a job uh, reviewing plays for newspapers? Well, for a very long time, even when I was still acting at Genesius Guild, I was never very happy with the reviews I read because I didn't think they really reviewed the play. Uh-huh. They um, listed characters and who played them, and they didn't really say anything and never anything about sets or sound or technical things. And so I just always had a very long desire to review plays. And then uh, when I retired from my full-time job... We were at a play, and you well know, because you got my email at 10 o'clock at night, or <laughs> thereafter, um, we were at Playcrafters, and the show was 
rabbit hole. And it was an absolutely stunning script, so well acted. In fact, the first act was so good at the close of the first act, I couldn't even applaud because it was such a raw, well-acted scene. The play itself involved um, the death of a child and and how that affects different family members. And so it was very intense. And all I could think of while I was sitting there was no one's going to know this because the local newspapers have stopped reviewing amateur theater. Uh So all these groups that are amateurs are totally ignored by the newspapers. And that's when I went home at 10 o'clock and emailed you, Don, and said, what do you think about me approaching WVIK to review online or on the radio? And you very kindly emailed Jared Johnson and it took a little, a few weeks, because, of course, I thought of this during fun to drive. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, they were kind of tied up with other details at the time. So in May of last year is when I started. Yeah. Oh, it's that recent. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, uh, it is true that as newspaper staffs have collapsed, there just aren't people around. And... Uh, the expense of hiring a stringer when budgets are so tight. A lot of things that used to be in the newspaper aren't anymore. And that came at a time when there was this explosion of local theater. Now, when Genesee Skills started, the maskers were still performing in Davenport, and you had uh, playcrafters, and that was it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was it. Maskers folded, and then it was just the Genesis Guild and uh, and the Playcrafters. Of course, you had Music Guild, which was musical theater. But then a few years ago, all of a sudden, these groups started springing up. I think it's because every actor and every actress would like to have their own theater. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't think I ever wanted that. <laughs> Well, it's it's not uncommon. That's how the Prenzy players got started. Some of the actors in the guild decided they wanted to do Shakespeare a different way. And that's true. And I, at first, did not appreciate the way they produced Shakespeare. But as time went by, they matured in their uh, approach mm-hmm. to... And even though they did things... In more modern dress and such, they did come around to where I really enjoyed some of their their last plays before the pandemic. Yeah, well, it's <clears throat> we've talked about that. I've talked about that to, with Jeff Cousins and some others that uh, Shakespeare can come in many flavors, mm-hmm. uh, and a lot of people uh, would like to take Shakespeare and put him in a Civil War setting or something else just for the sheer novelty of it. And that leaves a niche for the Genesee skill to do the plays absolutely straight. Yeah. Don't mess with them. That's that's my feeling about Genesee skill, but of course I go back way, way back. Yeah. <laughs> way, way back. Why did you come out in the first place? Oh, that's interesting. Um, if you recall, I was a mere 19 years old when I first 
auditioned at, uh-huh. at Genesius Guild. And the reason I was there, because I had not even heard of Genesius Guild, I had been cast at Blackhawk College as Viola in Twelfth Night. And my director there, Fred Walters, who you casted as Bassanio that year, yeah. um, he was one of those kind of college professors that, oh, the kids could come over to his place, and we all did. We thought he was pretty cool. And one day he said, oh, I'm going this weekend to audition at Genesius Guild, and you're coming with me. (laughs) That kind of took me by surprise, and he said, and I don't claim this is true, he said, you read Shakespeare cold better than anybody I've ever heard. Uh Well, that's true. That's really true. I first recognized you as having enormous talent and potential when you played the role of, what is her name, Celia in As You Like It? Yes. Kind of the second fiddle there to Rosalind. Yeah, I was crushed that you gave me the second fiddle. (laughs) But you you were so good in that role, I thought, wow. You know, this gal has got it. Oh. And so that's from that Oh, time Mr. On. Wooten, I'm blushing. <laughs> <laughs> so is that still around the same time period, around age? Or were you oh, older? Oh, that was maybe four or five years later. Okay. After. I think so. I think so. But, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting. Amateur theater. People think, oh, amateur I keep thinking of what Yo-Yo Ma said one time, a great cellist. He was talking about how he played for many different orchestras, and he played uh, with an amateur orchestra, which, you know, surprised everybody because he's a thoroughgoing professional. Mm -hmm. And he said, yeah, I, I didn't know about this, but I thought I'd try it. And he said, that orchestra played with such passion that that from that time on, I decided I'm going to play like an amateur. Huh. <laughs> oh, I didn't wow. know that. That's kind of wonderful, isn't but it? But it's true that, you know, mm-hmm. we strive for professional standing. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the bad things about it, I would never advertise the Gill past the Quad Cities for fear that maybe this time this play's not going to live up to it. Mm-hmm. But it almost always did. But in thinking about that, it makes sense because amateurs are playing for the love of what they're doing, not for the money. Exactly. That's true. And and then once you get hooked to a theater, boy, it becomes a way of life. Absolutely. (laughs) And that's true of people who've been with playcrafters for years. They go through two or three generations of players, as we have in the Genesee Skill. Mm Mm-hmm. But the thing that surprised me was not that other companies would pop up, but that some of them would last more than a t- two or three seasons because usually they would fold rather quickly. But then at one point, I think we had, counting the colleges and so on, we had 11 different companies performing. And mm. that was an awful lot of theater. Mm. Well, it's, it's revving back up. Uh, I went in July on my computer and Googled every local theater group I could think of. And the 
upcoming year of theater, not only are there some really great scripts about to be performed, but like in June or July, well, no, this month, I will be at a show every week. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah, that's, there's a lot going on. And then, the, and then you write. I love that you, your trajectory from having been an actor and then not liking the way reviews were handled and deciding, well, then I'll do it. Then I'll... Yes, and not liking the reviews wasn't because they were dissing my performance. Right, right. It was no. just that they didn't really, they, they didn't know theater. They left too much. They out. were a yeah. reporter that was sent to watch the show and they just did that. Yeah. Yeah. I remember one reviewer was famous because the, every actor or actress had an adjective applied. Uh, and one of, the, one of the adjectives that caught everybody's attention was credible. And I got one. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, in the comedy, we Peter Soderbergh said, I want the incredible, the credible award. <laughs> Oh. You know, it's true that when you go to uh, to see something performed, I, I have a hard time because fooling with for 60 years, the first thing I think of, well, now why did they do it that way? Mm-hmm. They should just, uh, I'm getting too critical. And so I don't go. Well, also physically it's hard to do. I'm a little nitpicky. Yeah. <laughs> too. I see little things that probably other people would would not notice. would just slough off and not realize that it's a detriment or something. I remember when we did Coriolanus, we went to a movie, uh, my wife and I, and it was one of those historical things. And at that time, Bernadette was doing the costumes. Mm-hmm. And through the course of the play, said, "Look at that tunic. There's makeup around the collar." <laughs> <laughs> That's, that is the the issue, isn't it, with knowing too much about yeah, what yeah. you're looking at and what you're hearing. Well, Friday night we were at the new group, uh, The Mockingbird on Maine. Have you heard mm, of that? No. And uh, they are doing Driving Miss Daisy. And at one point the actress playing Miss Daisy has a fur coat on and it's obviously donated by somebody and very, very old, which is okay because of the time period sure. uh, the play takes place. <laughs> but one sleeve had a very noticeable hole poking out of it and it was like, hmm, do I say anything about this? I chose not to. No. <laughs> well, there's some things you have to overlook. But uh, the, the gist of it, you know, trying to figure out, A, what the play is about, what the play attends to do, and then does the director agree with that or is the director taking a different tack, mm-hmm. maybe slanting it a different way, and then the actors living their roles, being convincing. Mm-hmm. Are they overacting? Are they underacting? Are they spot on? Do they have a concept of the character? There are so many things that go into theater, mm-hmm. and there's so much to feed on that sometimes when when you're in criticism, you will see something that you think is so out of 
out of sync that it kind of blots out the rest of the play for you. Hmm. You have to be careful about that. How but, have you... Oh, I didn't mean to interrupt. No. How how have you enjoyed being a critic? I don't like to use the word critic. Oh, okay. I like to say reviewer. Reviewer. All because right. sure. my goal is to get butts in the seat. Yeah. Um, they're just now starting to come back fairly well. But um, the first, like almost all of last year, if there were 50 people in the audience, it it would be a huge yeah. response. Um, when we went to Playcrafters recently, there was a fairly good crowd there. Um, the Mockingbird on Main is not a, a good comparison because it's an extremely small venue. Yeah. If they could get 40 people in their seating area, they would be stretching it. Okay. Um, so... Uh, getting people there is still good because they're so new, even though they've been around for about a year to a year and a half. Okay. Um, people still aren't attuned to the fact sure. that they're around. And they're kind of hard to find. I'm, we're going to have one of the co-founders on our podcast. Okay. We're going to see him tomorrow and interview him. And one of the things I want to discuss with him is signage because mm-hmm. – um, the only sign they have is right on the do- door. It's recessed from no, the sidewalk. No. So I feel like I'm going to a speakeasy when I go there. <laughs> Maybe that's part of the charm. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm sure it is, but that doesn't get, you know, people they can't, can't find it. it. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, acting is, I think, a universal impulse. Uh, because when we're growing up, we kind of learn how to behave or to act from our parents and from the people around us. And as you go through your teens, when the period of rebellion, you kind of want to be somebody else for a while. And all through our lives, we act. We are different in the privacy of our homes than we are in public. (laughs) And after a while, for those of us who've been in the public eye like a cinder for years, it's hard to tell the real person from the public person. You, be- you know, Henry, my husband, has always said that what attracted me to him at first was how I could be so shy off stage and so forward on stage. And I said, it's because I don't have to think of what to say. Somebody's already written it down. You know, that that was an eye-opening thing for me with my students. Um, I teach poetry. I could, as Don's talking about, you know, being able to act, I could never remember a script. I and I'm too shy, so I couldn't. I couldn't do what you were just describing. But I sort of made the assumption with poets. Whenever I had theater students in there, I would say, well, you guys, you know, you know how to get up there and, and perform. And I had a student say, I can perform somebody else's script. I cannot get up there and read my own read my own poem, which was what we were talking about. And I hadn't thought about that in that way before. That Well, don't you think with poetry, too, that is so personal? Yeah, it is. It's I mean, incredible. it's like throwing your heart out there and... Yep. 
Yeah. But there I was thinking, well, but that's a lot like acting because I haven't done it, you know, and to have them say. But since I'm not a poet, I can do that. (laughs) I I have always, from as young as I can remember, wanted to perform. Yeah. In grade school, if the teacher wanted somebody to read aloud, I would just about break my arm. Me, 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 pick me. Yeah, see, and I would have been under my desk going, don't look at me, don't look at me. I have never understood that. <laughs> I have that? never understood that. Oh, well, you know, it's been interesting over the years to see people change. Uh, and we, I know we had some people come out in their 40s, 50s, just to try this. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I saw one recently at Playcrafters. Uh-huh. He was, I bet he's in his 60s. Yeah. And it was his first foray onto stage ever. And he was electric. Oh. He played juror number three in, well, it was originally written as 12 Angry Men, but Playcrafters mm. kind of updated it to 12 Angry Jurors. Okay. <laughs> and <for> them. <laughs> that way they could get some females yeah. into the part. Yeah. And he was amazing. He was just amazing. You know, it is true that sometimes when people come up, you never know what they're going to be able to do. Yeah. But the fact that they're willing to try is what makes it interesting. Well, he had an interesting backstory, too. Um, Mike Schultz happened to have directed that show. And uh, he told me that this gentleman son had recently passed away and his son was involved in theater oh. and just before he passed he challenged his father to go out for theater How about that? it was oh. it was a really touching story yeah yeah it's uh well and if he performed that well you know he was feeling it you know that there was something big going on that's that's really beautiful. he's probably had a lot of emotion to channel yeah yes. yeah exactly well it's uh it's interesting when you start the process, people are reciting lines, and it takes a while for them to begin to live the lines. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in the Genesius Guild, we just, it's a pressure cooker. Yeah. <laughs> we don't give you any time to fool around. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> get it? Especially yeah. when you get called halfway through rehearsals and say, the lead just dropped out, can you take it? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Do you remember that? No. <laughs> I'm thinking there's it's, a story it's here. A, it's all a blur. <laughs> the comedian with John Ketter. Oh, yes, yes. Yes, that's right. Mm-hmm. You were great in that part. That's my that's the my most favorite part that I played because it, I was cast on... To, against what you usually cast me as, I was always the ingenue, and, and this character was not an ingenue, oh, so it was fun. it was really fun. Yeah, that that was a, that was a powerful play. It's it's not what people would consider a great play, maybe not even a good play, but for the Genesius Guild, yeah, it was mm-hmm. the story of Genesius. Mm-hmm. In that particular play, we had a balcony of people, in the last scene. And it was different every night. Some veterans would come in and be a part of the play, give them a tunic and give them the the instructions of how to react because everybody wanted to be in that 25th anniversary play. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's cool. And we did it again on our 50th anniversary. Yeah. Yeah, back on. Strange guy. 
did some interesting plays. But uh, acting in the classics, is that a different feel altogether? That's hard to say. I mean, all theater is, there are common stories. They're just told in different ways. Yeah. Um, the only big difference is the formality of dialogue between the classics and the modern hmm. plays that are written now. Yeah. yeah. My parents never came to any of my shows. Really? Not a one. I was in Genesis Guild for over 30 years, and they never Why came. didn't they just weren't theater people? They weren't? They would say, oh, that Shakespeare, I can't understand it. Mm. Okay. Oh. They, yeah. It's like, well, could you try? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll help. I'm your daughter. <laughs> oh. Shakespeare is easy to comprehend. All you have to do is watch and listen. Mm -hmm. And if the actors do their job, yeah. yeah. Well, as you always said, kids would walk through the park and stop and yeah. watch, and they never had any trouble with it. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what it well, interested me in the early days of the Greek tragedy, we wear those big masks, and people would comment about that and kind of worry about it and so <laughs> on, but the kids didn't have any trouble at all. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, the masks were a... a poster of what the character was yeah you knew that yeah. they were good guys or bad guys by the by yeah. the masks yeah it was uh but you're going to have a podcast mm -hmm. and uh how will that supplement your on-air reviews it probably won't because we'll be recording like we are today ahead of when it airs mm -hmm. So, because most plays only run two weekends, by the time we'd record the podcast, the review would be... Yeah. Uh, the only thing I can foresee talking about specific plays might be how it impacts society or whatever. Mm -hmm. That is the thing, that you have to get the review in in time for people to to be pulled in by yeah, it. Exactly. I was going to ask how much time you have to write these reviews. Um, um, if you recall from our first scribble foray, you were unhappy with me because I always beat my deadline. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I spend probably anywhere from two to six hours. Okay. And the, you know, the initial writing, it's difficult to write a review for radio versus paper because it has sure. to be short yeah, and it has to be concise. And to me, it has to have some kind of hook or appeal mm -hmm. to get people to listen, to get people to want to go to the show. Yeah. So... What do you do if the show is a stinker? So far, I haven't had a stinker. Oh, I, I have been absolutely overwhelmed by the quality and not only of the performance, but of the scripts a lot of the places are choosing now. Uh, used to be Playcrafters in Richmond Hill out in Geneseo did the fluff comedy stuff. Mm. And I understand having to do a few of those during the year in order to get people there. You have yeah. to have money in order to produce, a, to, to produce a show. But they have done some really outstanding mm. 
scripts, both Richmond Hill and Playcrafters. And Playcrafters recently instituted a, what they call the Barn Owl series, and that's where the cutting-edge scripts are. Okay. That's where Rabbit Hole was done, Dog Sees God. Um, those are the two most recent that I can think of. Well, we'll have to cut your review short here. Christine Hicks, thank you very much for spending time with us. And uh, good luck with your reviews. Oh, thank you, and yeah. more good luck is needed for the podcast. Okay. <laughs> that too. And with that, we will uh, summon the theme. I'm Don Wooten with Rebecca Wee. We've been talking to Christine Hicks, a drama critic. We'll be back next week, and we hope you will for the next edition of Scribble. Scribble.